You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Hello, and welcome to the McKinsey Podcast. My name is Glenn Leibowitz, and I'm the head of external relations and publishing with McKinsey's Greater China Practice. I'm based in Taipei, Taiwan. So today I'm speaking with Daniel Zipser and Fang Gong. Daniel leads McKinsey's consumer practice in Greater China and is the author of a new report on the Chinese consumer, which we're going to talk about today. Fang Gong is a partner who covers the consumer sector in China as well, and he'll be joining Daniel to share his perspectives on some of the key findings from their new report. So Daniel, before we dive into what you learned from the survey, tell us a little bit about why you decided to conduct the survey in the first place and how did you go about doing it? We are conducting research on the Chinese consumers in 2005 on an annual basis. The 2016 report is based on research of 10,000 consumers with face-to-face interviews in 44 cities. Um, the tension this year is particularly high given the whole world is looking at the China economy and eager to better understand what is actually driving the Chinese consumer today, how is the Chinese consumer confidence, is the Chinese consumer still spending? And the results are, are very interesting. Um, we were very surprised to see that consumer confidence in China over the last three years have basically not changed. The Chinese consumer is still self-confident, still spends both in China as well as outside China when traveling. The one thing which is actually very different today, though, is we do no longer see broad growth across all categories, across all the countries. We do see today very fundamental differences. Parts of China has seen decline in growth, sometimes even negative growth in some of the categories, while other parts have even increased in spending and self-confidence. Particularly interesting was to see when we contrasted the coastal area, if you take an area around Shanghai, you do see that self-consumer confidence has further increased over the last three years. At the same time, in north, northeastern China, take Harbin as an example, you do see a, a steep decline in consumer confidence given the overall macroeconomic situation. So if you just look at averages, no change. If you go actually one level deeper, you see fundamental changes. All right, so, so Daniel, let's get to the findings. Uh, you know, why don't you tell us some of the things that you learned from this survey that you just did? We do see a Chinese consumer who's still spending, and the consumption of the Chinese consumer has increased double digit last year. You, you do see a shift from products to services, where a consumer is no longer increasing how much he eats, how much he drinks, but you do at the same time see how the Chinese consumer actually goes more out for entertainment, be it to movie theaters, being, being weekend trips. And this is where the consumption is moving to. I think this is very different compared to when we researched the Chinese consumer over the last years. Today, we clearly see that trend. At the same time, you also do see a trend towards premiumization. In many food and beverage categories, the actual volume grows. How much people eat more, drink more, is actually flat. What is driving the overall growth for our food and beverage clients is a large increase, actually, in the price the consumer is willing to pay. Today, the Chinese consumer is looking for the best and the most expensive products. So you do see premium companies, premium brands, be it in the auto space, in the cosmetic space, 
in the alcohol space. So one of the trends that you highlight in your report is uh, growing loyalty to brands. Uh, you say consumers are considering fewer brands these days and are sticking to the ones that they trust. So tell us a little bit more about that. So um, a couple of years before, uh, when we talked to our clients in the consumer and also retail industry, we heard a lot from the clients complaining about the low loyalty level of the Chinese consumers. Uh, today, based on the reports, we cannot say that it's completely changed, but we can definitely say that the loyalty level of the Chinese consumers has been improving significantly. Uh, probably not to a single brand, but to a small, uh, short, uh, but to a short list of brands that uh, in the consumers' consideration set. So, no matter whether it's in the um, in their daily uh, daily consumed category like food, like apparel, but also in I mean big items like automotive. Um, uh, so I think there are two reasons behind that. One reason is, of course, because the Chinese consumers have been more sophisticated now compared to before. They have experienced a lot of different brands, and they can tell which one is better than the other one. On the other hand, uh, Chinese consumers, thanks to the I mean, uh, social media, they have been um, influenced a lot by what other people have experienced on certain brands. So not necessarily they have tried these brands before, but more influenced by the others. It's actually very interesting what you say, because I see many, particularly foreigners, accusing the Chinese consumers and saying, you know what, if there's a cheaper deal, they just jump and they just buy something else. Mm -hmm. And that may have been true in the past, but if you look today, if you enter the market and just be cheap as a new brand, no way you will be successful. The Chinese con consumers really stay with the brand they're considering, which is on the short list. It's extremely difficult for a new brand today to enter the China market. Yeah, I agree with that. So when we talk to clients, we always emphasize that the Chinese consumers are not looking for low price. They're actually looking for value. So the value could be low price, but it could also be, I mean, high quality goods with a reasonable, uh, reasonable price, right? Uh, so I, I think that being said, uh, we, 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 are, we do expect that the cons Chinese consumers, just like the uh, consumers in sophisticated market, they will continue to improve their loyalty level. And at some point, they will be very loyal to certain brands. So healthy living, you know, another, another interesting trend that you mentioned in your report is the rise in awareness around health and quality of life. You know, people are not just working all the time, but they're actually starting to uh, enjoy themselves and also care more about, about, you know, what they eat and how they take care of themselves. They're starting to exercise more. Tell us, uh, you know, what, what did you find in your survey around, uh, around this trend? It's actually interesting because as long as I can think, people have talked about it. So you do see this emphasis on saying the Chinese consumers becoming more health-oriented. To be very honest, conversation has been around that for 10 years, but only a year ago that really broke through. If you look today, the number of Chinese actually running, doing exercise, it is higher than in the US. Sports performance products have really increased. I have not seen any Chinese without basically wristbands and having variables, going jogging and exercising. It is a different world compared to it was two, three years ago. If you look at the, uh, the people around you, I mean, most of people have some kind of band uh, on their wrist. And uh, for the band I wear, it's, uh, it's from a Chinese local company uh, with a history of only two years. 
uh, but only last year they sold 12 million units uh, only in that single year, which makes them the second largest wearable device company in the world. On the other hand, if you look at, I mean, what people post on the WeChat, uh, people used to post, I mean, what restaurants they have dined before or the, the, the pictures with, with, with their friends and family. But now you see a clearly chance that people post the pictures after they're running. People post pictures after they are, I mean, exercising in the gym or post some, I mean, uh, studies data from their, I mean, sports band, right? So that's clearly a, a trend that, I mean, we see uh, in, in the market. What I really do like about that example is we are so often asked the question, is China different? And aren't those all global trends? And I think this is a perfect example that this is not a China trend, right? The whole world is looking for health and, and well-being. Chinese people like food. Uh, but if you go to the shopping malls, if you go to the uh, the prime locations, you can see that clearly the fast food chains are starting to disappear from those very prime locations. Uh, replacing them are the restaurants who emphasize a lot on the organic food, who emphasize a lot on the uh, I mean healthy dining. That's fascinating. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, what about family focus? Uh, you know, I've been here for a while, and uh, you know, to me, Chinese have always been family focused. That's just the way I see them. So, you know, what have you seen that has changed, say, in the you know past few years, and you know that was reflected in in the survey that you j- just conducted. We do see that uh, recently people have been emphasizing a lot in terms of their consumption behavior uh, when they when they when they uh, when they try to find the time with the family. So uh, two examples I can give. Uh, one is for the uh, shopping behavior. So um, I mean. I remember when we did the re- report in 2012, we always we already seen that there's a trend that people, that for the Chinese consumers, when they go shopping, they uh, they went together with the family, and that becomes one of the major activities during their week, uh, their, during their weekends. Uh, but uh, this year, when we redo this research, we found that people continue to spend a lot of time together with their families during the weekends in the shopping malls. Uh, but their demand or their requirements has has been uh, improved a lot. So in the shopping malls, they are not only looking for, I mean, purchasing stuff. Uh, they are actually looking for experience, spending time together with their families. Mm-hmm. So if you look at uh, the the stores existed in the in the shopping mall, only roughly twenty percent or thirty percent of them are, I mean, store selling products, and a, a major part of the stores in the shopping malls are cinemas. Are uh, restaurants? Are uh, I mean the 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 playing ground for the kids, uh, as well as gyms and also beauty spas. Uh, so take take myself for example. I I took my daughter to I mean to to shopping malls very often together with my family during the weekends, and uh, because I mean because of the sometimes foggy weather in in Shanghai. Uh, my daughter has to go to those shopping malls to have fun. Uh, interestingly, our family have five different memberships from, I mean, different indoor shopping, I mean, playgrounds in five different shopping malls. And before we go, we normally ask our daughter which one you want to go because those five are totally different. Um, and then she will pick up one and then that will decide 
where the whole family will go during the weekend. So we have the we have the lunch there with with my wife, with my daughter, with my、uh, parents or my wife's parents, and then、uh, my 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 daughter has a lot of fun there, and then me and my wife may go to watch a movie. Uh, after the lunch, well, my parents will take the daughter home. I'm sure that's a very typical one for many of the families in China. Another example is、uh, if we're taking the uh, travel uh, travel uh, industry, for example, we can see a clear trend that. Uh, the Chinese consumers, when they decide where to go in terms of domestic travel, they are looking for good uh, resorts uh, close to the city, maybe two or three driving range, and then、uh, places with good activities, places with good restaurants. That's because they are、uh, spending the weekends、uh, with the families. I often get the question: Is retail dead? Physical retail, and. I think the question does make sense, given China is by far the largest e-commerce market in the world and has the highest online penetration. At the same time, it's also very clear from looking at the Chinese consumer: is physical retail is still an absolutely critical and important part.、Um, and there is so much talk about online-only brands, and there may be exceptions where that is true. But in general, the physical interaction with the brand in a physical retail location remains important. Um, it may not always be the sole purpose where the transaction happens, but if you th- take a comprehensive view from a brand perspective, you do need to be able as a brand owner to cover both the physical retail to create the experience and the online side to actually fulfill the transaction. Yeah, I, I remember a couple years before when um, when uh, Alibaba rolled out, I mean, or sponsored a couple online-only kind of brands. Um, a lot of consumer brands are so scared about that because they are afraid that with this pure online model,、uh, I mean the original, I mean physical model kind of players will be、uh, driving out of the market by the online players. But now we do see a merge of、uh, a trend of merging between online and offline. So for those traditional offline players, they have been expanding very aggressively to the online space. Uh, rolling out what we call a omni-channel kind of strategy, but for the pure online players, they are also I mean expanding to the offline. They are opening stores so that the consumers have a good experience of the product that will in turn drive the、uh, traffic or the purchase back to the online store. So we do see we do expect that I mean、uh, e-commerce in China will continue to grow rapidly, but on the other hand,、uh, the physical store will remain critical in terms of the consumer experience. It makes complete sense. Like take your own example with your daughter going to the shopping mall and the indoor playground on the weekend. That's where she experiences the toys. That's where she experiences all those great kids brands which we have in China. You may later decide to buy them online, but your daughter is making the experience in the playground, in the malls that you're going to bring her on the weekends. Yeah, exactly. Daniel. Chinese consumers seem to really love to travel overseas, and you know when they do travel, they like to shop. So it seems to you know what stands stands out in your survey about this about this trend. What did you see? Chinese always like to like to travel, seeing new things. So I don't think that's new. I think what is new now is the scaleless reach. You do have more than a hundred millions trips of Chinese outside of China overseas. What has also changed is the magnitude of spent shopping. Outside of China, if you take categories such as handbags, if you take skincare category, 
we have a substantial part of the total consumption of China actually not happening within China. But people do travel, a third of them choose the location where they travel to, where it's best to shop. Handbags, as, as mentioned as a critical category, half of the handbags spent of Chinese have actually not been in China, but has been outside China. That is a big magnitude that has reached by far by now. That has big implications on, on our and for, for our clients. First of all, many of particularly the luxury goods companies do not see big revenue increases in China today. Chinese consumers use the opportunity to travel overseas to buy particularly luxury goods outside of China. They experience a lower price. They may buy for their friends. So it is a very new challenge for companies. If you take a Chinese who traveled last year outside of China, of the total spend they have, including all the rent, what they paid for kids' education, insurances, 30% of the total spend actually has not been inside China, but outside of China. It has reached a magnitude that is no longer possible for any brand owner to, to ignore. The implication to the business world, I think, on the one hand is, of course, how to capture the Chinese consumer spending overseas. But on the other hand, what we saw from many of our clients, especially from the international clients, is how, how, how can do the pricing right in China versus overseas. Uh, because, I mean, not in the luxury segment, but also in many, I mean, relatively mass market, we do see that there's a, a pretty big price difference between, I mean, the, the product, same product sold in China versus, I mean, sold in, in U.S., in Europe, or even in Hong Kong and the Taiwan, right? So that creates, a, a, I mean, a very big price arbitrage opportunity for Chinese consumers who may uh, purchase the product when they travel abroad or they may use the cross-border e-commerce to, uh, to get products. So pricing will be uh, I mean, a big challenge for a lot of these international brands going forward. I think there's another thing which is clear opportunity. If, if you think about it, how long does a Chinese travel outside of China? It's a week or two at most. Um, the rest of the year, there needs to be a way to create an opportunity for the Chinese consumer who experienced new brands, new products outside of China to buy those products. And you did mention cross-border e-commerce, which is a very critical element of that. It does allow to actually buy products in China, which may officially not be available in the Chinese market in the stores yet. And that is a great opportunity. It does come with a challenge, though, because you have the problem, how do you position a brand? Do you just take the Italian positioning and apply it to China? How do you deal with a situation that a Chinese consumer experiences the brand even before it is launched in a Chinese, Chinese market just based on a vacation experience? It does change the world, and it does change how Chinese consumers actually experience brands during a launch. So, Daniel, do you have any uh, you know, final observations about your report that you want to share? For me, the main finding from the report is despite of the economic situation China is in today, the Chinese consumer actually does remain self-confident and has in 2015 continued to substantially increase its spending, be it within China, be it outside China. We do see shifts when it comes to products to services, when it comes to mass to premium products. Are you still pretty optimistic about the, the Chinese consumer? The Chinese consumers will continue to spend despite uh, the uh, slowing down of the macro economy. But on the other hand, they are asking for more. Uh, the, their, their bar has been raising up and their needs has been uh, diversified. So uh, for, the, for the consumer goods companies or the retailers, 
um, they need to think of some, I mean, they need to follow the consumer's trends and find some new ways and catch, catch up with the new trends to serve the consumers. Daniel Fung, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to our conversation. If you'd like to download this report, head over to our website at mckinsey.com. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.